Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am JP, your moderator, and I am here with Father Chuck. Hey! And I'm also here with Matt Wells. Yay! It's been a while since all three been together. I know, yeah, we've kind of alternated the past couple weeks. Don't let them lie to you. They're going to edit me out of this episode and pretend I wasn't here again. Go How, ahead. How was Power Rangers, Matt? Power Rangers was good. I liked was it. it. Did you really? I really did. It's stupid, stupid cheesy. Yeah. I mean, it is. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's stupid cheesy, and I liked oh, it. Power Rangers. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Full disclosure. I want to see it again because I'm 99.9% sure that when I sit down and view it a second time, it, I'm going to realize it is a horrible movie and I hate it. <laughs> but I liked it when I saw it. <laughs> How about that mid-credits thing? Uh, I enjoy it. Oh, it's, yeah. Did you? It's cool, but disappointing at the did, same time. Did you Did you wear your Green Ranger t-shirt? I don't have a Green Ranger t-shirt. <laughs> yes, you do. I got, I got too fat for that like six <laughs> years ago, JP. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm, awkward. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what did you think about uh, our Aliens episode? Did you listen to it? I didn't get to yet. JP, I don't get to listen to anything during the week. You guys know better than this. I, I've only listened to half of our Buffy episode because I can't listen to anything once a week starts up. Oh, okay. Oh. So I try and listen on the weekends. Hey, I, speaking of the Alien episode, um, so my, I saw my mom last night, and she reminded You're me of— calling your mom an alien? Yes. That really wasn't nice. Um, hey, man, look, you know, I told you at some point I'm just going to reveal that I'm, in fact, like a reptilian in this show. Um, you are in a no, position so, of power. It's true. Yeah. Um, my um, – no, so my mom reminds me last night that – she was like, I can't believe you didn't bring this up in the episode. I totally forgotten it, about this. But so my grandfather was an air traffic controller and um, after his career in the military. And he used to tell my mom – about how he would sometimes see these things on the radar that were clearly aircraft, but they weren't registered. Yeah. And he didn't know what they were. And he said, and they moved way too fast. He says they would appear, they would freeze, and then they would, then they would fly off the, off the screen. Wow. And he said he, he asked his superiors one day about that, and they told him, yeah, you don't ask about those. Wow. And he said that, and so he, he, he believed, as a result, that he believed, he believed in, 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 in aliens. They were UFOs. And this that they classified information and he was he had seen it it was probably the galactic federation of light it, it i mean it could have been members of, yeah. <laughs> protecting us from the reptilian overlords yeah who knows probably who knows? probably probably <laughs> um so matt has listened to the episode so he doesn't know about the unarians um, i think that when i wo- i think that whenever okay. i walk away from this podcast for for a week it just gets weirder and weirder (laughs) (laughs) um well i'm really not sure where i am anymore guys i don't know who you are well what are we talking about well we we've got a whole new rabbit hole to fall down into today yes sir yeah something i don't know anything about (laughs) let me just i'll just go ahead and say you will be talking about aliens today that's a little teaser a little foreshadowing anyway today um, we're going to be talking about the Bible code back in the early two thousands. Uh, that was a very, uh, one of those Christian pop culture, subculture kind of things. that was pretty popular in its day. <laughs> the writer kind of went off the rails in, in, uh, later books. But we'll I get think you went off the rails in the first yeah, one. Man. <laughs> well, you know, at, at first it's, it's like, it grabs your attention, like, oh, what's this all about? You know, like, it seems a little plausible. And it's like, oh, it's weird. These words are showing up and stuff. 
uh, and to the layman. That's especially back then when people didn't know much about computers and stuff. It's a little interesting. So let's get into. It. We're going to talk about the Bible Code today. All right. All right. Let me have it. And I understand. I am under. I am to understand from our conversations when we were sort of prepping for this episode a few days back, JP, that you have read this. Um, not really. Are you like? Are you read parts of it? You know, my mom bought me the book uh, when it first came out, like in 1999. Um, and I was, you know, I was like a, I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, and I didn't really understand it, so I didn't really read the whole thing. It's just it was it was very mathematical, and I didn't really get it. So it was a lot to take in for someone that age. Yeah, so I mean, well, so. And, you know, we are, and we are three, you know, great math brains <laughs> yeah. at, in this podcast. Yeah, it just it makes more sense now that we understand computers better and stuff. Back then, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. I just saw that, like, apparently, the Bible has pre- predicted, you know, JFK's assassination and Roswell and stuff. But, math makes my head hurt. Yep, yep. That's, but, that's why that's why I became a priest. But I did see the the movie that it, it inspired the Omega Code. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and I saw both of them actually in theaters. The, the Omega Code makes my head hurt. <laughs> uh, so let's get started on this. Ancient codes hidden within the Torah reveals the secrets of global events, past, present, and future. One man, played by Michael York, is after the code. Wait, that's I'm sorry, that's the Omega Code. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just um, as real as the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's the movie. I don't want to talk about that. Okay, hold on. Sorry, guys. Um, while in Paris on business, Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon is informed that the elderly curator of the Louvre has been murdered inside the museum. Near the body, police have found a baffling cipher. Yeah, that's the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> that's sorry. It's easy to get those mixed up. It, it's three, five, seven, nine. Oh, that's my <laughs> bank code. Darn it. <laughs> that's. That's not a bad book, by the way. It's thought provoking read. That's not isn't too like literary, you know. It's taught. It's very taught. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, guys. I'm <laughs> just getting mixed up. Had a lot of coffee today. Um, a soldier wakes up in someone else's body and discovered he's part of an experimental government program to find a bomber of a commuter train. Uh, that's source code. <laughs> You're having a lot of fun with this, aren't you? <laughs> there's there's a lot of codes out there. You guys, <laughs> a lot of codes. Hold on. This is it. Sorry. I'm just, you know, goofing around. Whatever. This is a real thing. Uh, a young woman finds an ancient book and a cache of yellowing letters. The letters provide a link to the darkest powers humanity has ever known. Uh, you know what? That's that's Elizabeth Kostova's 2005 hit novel, The Historian, which many literary critics mockingly refer to as the Dracula Code. Because um. it's a lot like Da Vinci Code, but with Dracula. Well, okay, so, so basically you, you we keep could have played, I, like I, we could have played like name this tune with just movies with the Well, say, I feel like hold on, JP, I feel like you're missing the point. I, I, you, I, you, you're what? you're okay, so what you're thinking about Alan Turing, a guy who was working with the Allied forces in World War II, and that's the oh no, he's a code breaker in the invitation. I just ah, uh, that's another code thing. These so many codes. How many more does JP have? I've got like five more, but we can skip them. No, I'm curious. I'm curious which ones you have. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any more. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of jokes. I'm out of jokes for this episode. That's all of them. That's all my funny. He's tapped out. Tapped He's got jokes. jokes, guys. He's got... <laughs> I don't know. Sort of. I thought that would annoy you more, but whatever. 
<laughs> I, thought I, was, I was very entertained. Thank you. I was. I wanted you to keep going. For real, though, the Bible code, also known as a Torah code, is a purported set of secret messages encoded within the Hebrew text of the Torah. The hidden code has been described as a method by which specific letters from the text can be selected to reveal an otherwise obscured message. Although Bible codes have been postulated and studied for centuries, the subject has been popularized in modern times by Michael Drosnan's book, The Bible Code, and the movie The Omega Code. Stellar movie, guys. I'm telling you. It's got Casper Van Dien. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> so many examples have been documented in the past. One-sided example is that by taking every 50th letter of the book of Genesis, starting with the first ta, the Hebrew word Torah is spelled out. Just as an example. So this Bible code thing caught the attention of this guy, uh, Michael Drosnin. Michael Drosnin, who is a journalist for uh, like the Wall Street Journal and um, the Washington Post. So he's no slouch. He's a, a real writer. He became very interested in the Bible code, and he wrote a whole book on it. And uh, he had teamed up with another person who was really into it named, I can't pronounce, I think, is it Eli, Eliyahu Rips of the Hebrew University in Israel? Eliyahu sounds... That, that sounds like a, a, an accurate pronunciation. Right. Um, so they're really into deciphering what's called uh, the, the Bible code, and they're finding all these secret messages, things like uh, the JFK assassination, and there's words like Roswell and UFO are being spelled out. And um, they start finding other things, like they're predicting uh, like natural disasters are going to happen in the future and stuff, uh, which did not end up happening by the way right not not surprising in the least right so both rips and draws and work with the original hebrew characters which are said to have been given to, by god to moses one character at a time uh with no spaces or punctuation just as they appear in quote the quote uh the code is considered to exist only in the hebrew bible and not in translations or any other books uh, the code concept however can be easily demonstrated with english characters um, like, for instance, from the King James Version of the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis thirty-one twenty-eight, it says, And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast not done foolishly in doing so. So if you go through the process that Michael Drosnan and... Um, um, <laughs> Eliyahu? Well, we'll call him Pro Professor Rips. We'll call him Professor Rips. I Professor know. Rips. Yeah. <laughs> That's an unfortunate name. Um you go through the Whatever, process. Maybe he's, a, maybe he's a surfer. Maybe. Rips Professor out. Rips, bro. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> Bong Rips. Um, maybe you should. Maybe. Wow. Well, that would, ex that would explain this whole process, actually. <laughs> yeah. So if you go through the process that these two went through with that verse, you get, you actually can see the words uh, using the process. You see Roswell hidden in that verse. Um, so if you start on the R and daughters and skip over three letters to the O and thou and three more to S, blah, 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 it says Roswell. And, um, they also found going in that, in that same passage, uh, three letters UFO. So have you guys heard about this at all? Like, do you, are you familiar, familiar with any of this? No. Uh, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard of the Bible code before, but I'm not familiar with like how you do it or I'm what it's supposed to say. I'm surprised at that because I remember I remember in in high school we talked about it a lot in one of our Bible classes. 
I, think it was in <laughs> I listened in high school. That's funny. That's yeah. Funny. I I remember this stuff. Um, I remember when the Bible Excuse code me, was kind of becoming. Oh wait, just for the record, um, that was a joke because in high school, my Bible teacher is Mr. Arterburn, who's now a deacon at our church, along with myself. So when I see you on Sunday, I listened in your class, sir. I, I did. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. But like, but like, I remember when this stuff came out. And I don't know. I, I it just always annoyed me even back then because like this not what the this not, it's like a fundamental misunderstanding of like what the purpose of the Bible is. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I did as I, as I shared with you. I did um, I did write a paper on something known as gematria, uh-huh. um, which is uh, something that is done with the Hebrew language and Hebrew scholarship, particularly very common in Kabbalah. Which is where is the fact that in Hebrew, numbers and letters can share the same character. Right. And so that means like a letter can have a numerical value. So like Aleph, which is the A equivalent in Hebrew, is one and Beit is two and so on and so forth. And so there are people who have added up the sums of words and seen how they combine to make other words and other things. Like one of the one of the cool ones is that the word for child in Hebrew um, adds up to the number 44, like the three characters um, of the word child add up to the number 44. Yeah. Um, the number for man is three, and the number for woman is 41. So if you add man and woman together, it makes 44. And like huh. the words, and then and the Sounds words and numbers are identical. So it's not just that, oh, it's a similar value. Like it's like man plus, like if you were to substitute it, like it, it was an equation that like man plus woman equals child. Like that's how it would come out. Um, and, um, and so like there are people who make, you know, like, again, like in Kabbalah, they see that as a mystical thing that because God gave these letters to Moses mm-hmm. and that there's these dual meanings with the numbers that there is spiritual insight to it, but they Sorry. don't take it nearly to the Bible code level where it's used to predict the future or anything sounds, like that. It sounds a little bit like the Jim Carrey movie, <clears throat> the number 23. Oh, yeah. Where he, like, goes insane because everything's a number, like, the number 23 is chasing him around and, like, a bad omen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all that's bullcrap because we all know the number four is the one that's important. <clears throat> anyway. Five. Five. <laughs> Isn't 42 the meaning of life according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Well, apparently the meaning of my life is the number four because I see it everywhere. Okay. For Matt, it's five. Just because he had to be one. He just had to one-up me. That's why. For me, for me, it's three. My number wow. was... Really? Number. Yeah. So three, four, five, five, nine, twelve. Number twelve. One times two is two. Two are the number of towers I fell on 9-11. <laughs> you're not counting Tower 7, and you're also, oh, oh, so you're you also counting the Pentagon. Or, oh my gosh, so nobody, Chuck, you are ripped nobody, nobody is counting Tower 7 or the Pentagon. Everybody only talks about the two towers. That's right, because the Pentagon was actually an inside job. The two towers were the false flag for them no, to steal the gold no, that was stop underneath it, the... Stop it. Don't give these people voice. <laughs> we, now we, you're making as much sense as the Bible code, guys. Look, Way we gave go. an entire we gave these people an, a voice for an entire hour long episode last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the Unarians, who I'm kind of fascinated with. I told you with. guys, if you're a new listener out there, go back to the episodes I'm on. They're not as weird. 
I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, listen to I'll, us. I'll get, listen to Matt and I talk about Buffy for two hours. That's. I'm gonna get this back on. Awesome! It's awesome. <laughs> hey, look, ratings don't lie. Look, man. Like two of us are two of us are divinity students, man. We have master's degrees in biblical I know. scholarship and theology. I know. So like and when we can one, and when call one BS of those, on this stuff. And when one of those leaves, the other one goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. It's pretty amazing. So you know, which what you're describing, Chuck. You know, is it is it mostly seen as kind of a coincidence? What you're describing by people who study um, it and stuff? Kind of. It's sort of like it's sort of like, you know, the, the painter Bob Ross, Joy of Painting. He says that um, you know, we don't have mistakes, we're only happy accidents. I think it's more <laughs> I think it's more that kind of mindset. That like it's it's seen as intentional, but not necessarily like um in the same way that we think of like it's it, not it, a warning. Of, it's not. It's not a, a secret message. Right. It's. It's like a. It's like an added level of meaning. Okay. Um. And it's complementary to the actual like reading of the like you know the the the, the actual like words of the text, because like the idea behind it, it. Part of it is. Part of it is related to the fact that Jewish understandings of the Bible are very different mm-hmm. than Christian understandings of it because. In, within Judaism, you know, the, the word itself is so sacred, and the study of the words of the Torah are so sacred. And within within Torah scholarship and study, within rabbinical traditions, you know, of all varying stripes, um, is this idea of eking out new meanings and interpretations by reading between the lines, by, you know, and because in Judaism, there's a whole thing known as Midrash, which is a whole interpretive tradition that gets kind of fanciful, but it's all meant to, it's meant to elicit new interpretations and things. And, you know, one of the things that, so for them is this idea that like, yes, there are hidden things in the Bible and God wants us to find them because God delights in us trying to find these things. So it, but it's, it's also kind of more like, it's more like reverse engineering and just kind of seeing how it works in a way and still kind of finding the beauty there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a very good, that, that, I think that's an apt comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, but yeah, it's just sort of, it's just looking at another level of meaning, but I don't, there's, I don't think there's, I mean, within what limited knowledge I have of Jewish mysticism, which is Kabbalah, I don't see too much like future prediction type stuff going on in the terms, in the sense of like, oh, the Bible isn't, you know, the Bible's concerned with telling the entire world that JFK was going to be assassinated in 1962. Like, I just don't think that that's what was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a coincidence at best. Yeah. Um, but well, I also think that confirmation I, bias. Yes. Yeah, confirmation bias. I mean, it's, yeah. it's firing an arrow and, pa- and painting the bullseye around where it lands. Yeah. You can, and, and, and the thing is you can do this really, if you think about it, any, any, any text of any certain size, you can do this stuff too. Right. I was about to say, like, around the time this was sort of be kind of gaining popularity, you know, the Bible Code book that, that Drosner wrote ended up on the New York Times bestseller list. So it was pretty mm-hmm. popular in its day. And like I said, it inspired a movie. The guy sold movie rights for it. So when that had started happening, people started experimenting with his, with this method and using it on other books, and they did it with Moby Dick. And they found like the exact same, the exact same messages. Right. That book. Which I mean, and, and which in which case the only logical conclusion, I know Matt will agree with me on this, is that Herman Melville was a reptilian. <laughs> and but he was in league with the Nordics and was trying to like White get whale. The message White out. Nordics. 
Yeah, see? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt's eyes are glazing over. <laughs> Actually, he looks like he may want to punch someone. <laughs> you want to hit me, don't you, Matt? I think that everybody should practice the mod code. The mod code? And What's if, the mod code? Yeah, and if you take my book and look at the... <laughs> Fifth letter of every twenty seventh word. Oh yeah, because number on five. Every yeah. page divisible by three, um, and then go to the third paragraph and circle the seventh word, um, and add all that together, and then subtract five letters, um, one fifth of the way through the total. You will have a secret message. Go buy it and find out. And that message is: listen to Masters of Divinity and tell your no, friends. No, like and subscribe no, and follow no, us no. on Twitter and Instagram. No. <laughs> no, go buy the book and find out. Actually, it'd be really funny if, like, one of us sat down and did. I'm, exactly I'm going to go back. Well, we, we were joking about that. Like, what would we use the method on Matt's book? What, what are we going to find? I'm going back to that nonsense I just said. I'm going back to my own book and seeing if it does anything. <laughs> Guys, I subconsciously put this message in my book. It'd be really funny, though, if it's, like, really accurate. Like, like uh, J.P., Chuck, and Matt will start a podcast on, and it gives a date and everything. Or I was going to say, like, Donald Trump will be president on. You know what I would do? I'd write a second book immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, um, so, guys, things got a little bit weird with this Bible Code stuff, as if it wasn't already <laughs> things got a little weird um it's funny. he wrote he wrote another book called the bible code too wow that's that is creative <laughs> and roman numeral two by the way um in case you're looking for it on amazon uh where he i so. believe he describes that the bible code uh has predicted that there would be an asteroid headed toward earth but god would destroy it and then he also predicted that world war three would start uh, sometime between the years 1997 and 2000. I shouldn't say that. Sometime before 2006, I think. Yes. Um, 2006 came around. No World War Three. That we know of. <laughs> Technically, aren't all wars world wars? Um, Technically, isn't the global war on terror a third world war? It's really how you look at it, right? More like third genocide um <laughs> we have fun here we have fun we tell jokes we tell jokes so he JP wrote, saying war is a joke <laughs> i am like the, he's That's, like the comedian from watchmen i mean the reptilians seem to think so <laughs> they're laughing at us from their moon base <laughs> <laughs> the, the increasing amount of disdain coming from matt is just uh, <laughs> is really really amusing to me we're going to become a completely different podcast, guys. Especially where this is going, because I can I tell Matt's going to be unimpressed with where it's going. So I'm so sorry, guys, that I left them alone for so long. <laughs> I apologize to our listeners. So please come back after the Bible Code Two, where he predicts this World War. World War Three does not come around. He writes another Bible Code book called The Bible Code Three: Saving the World. Michael Drossen. Oh, because his book, the second one, Saved the World? Is that what, you know, what happened here? So third oh, no, one? the Bible Code 2 is called The Countdown. Uh-huh. And Bible Code is 3 is Saving the World. Uh, it expands the theme of the Bible Code 2, The Countdown, about the search for an obelisk, which could unlock the Bible Code completely. 
suggesting that the code was written by extraterrestrial life, which he claims also brought the DNA of the human genetic code to Earth, and that the alien who brought so the code Prometheus. left... So he watched 2001 A Space Odyssey? And Prometheus. And and Star Trek Next Generation, where Q shows how mankind was started. Oh, yeah. I wasn't done reading. Oh, you were done. Oh, sorry. Go <laughs> and, ahead. And that the alien who brought the code left the key... To the code in a steel obelisk, which is which is could be found in the uh, the Dead Sea. Uh, he attempted to find the obelisk and explain the, why the Third War guys, guys. didn't begin in 2006, as Drazen has suggested in Bible Code Two. Uh, and these events did not occur, casting serious no, doubt no. on the whole paradigm. Oh, guys, guys, guys! A New York <laughs> Times best-selling author. <laughs> yes. Uh, Wall Street if that's Journal. not just a slap in the face to somebody who wrote a book and nobody bought it. Well, you know what? This is the second occurrence of somebody that, that, that's very highly regarded having strong beliefs in extraterrestrial life and, and, and the paranormal and the unexplained. Because in the last episode, we talked about a certain Paul Hellyer who, is, uh, high, who was served in the Canadian uh, you know, government. Who of course, aliens. obviously. So, and I mean that doesn't even take into account a one agent Fox Mulder. <laughs> who nobody believed, but we all know he was a hero. Anyway, so that, that that's where this whole Bible code Bible code thing goes. Uh, the guy is is pretty much convinced that aliens wrote the Bible code and that uh, there's an obelisk with a key that can unco- that can unlock the entire code. Uh, I don't think he's found it yet. So See, did, did this... he sell that, those movie rights too? And um, <laughs> oh, the Bible Code Three is actually the movie. Um, what is it? Omega Code Three. Oh, numbers Mi- with uh, uh, with Nicolas Cage. No. <laughs> so way. this sounds like a Nicolas Cage franchise, actually. Yeah, it does. Um, no, so so listening to all this, I, I, I find this stuff infinitely fascinating just from a just from a you know, purely like just curiosity. Like I, I just I'm, I'm completely fascinated by these by the people who like buy into this stuff because it's similar like what I said last episode. This kind of stuff takes at least as much faith <laughs> as accepting the Bible just straightforward as it's presented to us. Yeah. Um, like, I, I'm, I, I'm just so, why? No, I would argue it takes more. You think it takes more? Yeah, I'd argue it takes more faith. It's misplaced faith, but it definitely takes more because not only do they believe what we believe, that the Bible is from God written for us and handed down through generations. and blah, But somehow aliens involved. But they add aliens hmm. and secret codes and messages. So they have faith to believe what we do and add all sorts of craziness to okay. it too. So I think it takes even more. And, you know, this, like I said, this was highly regarded when that first book came around. By the Christian community, yeah, that must have uh, that must have been awesome when they got a hold of Bible Code Two. <laughs> yeah, and you know and what's funny? Like, uh, and then three, they're like, "Ooh, yeah." Yeah, but then they did what that that culture is great at, and just pretended they never talked about the first one. Oh, right. And you know what? You know what this actually reminds me of. And I didn't even think about this, and I wasn't going to bring it up because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. It just occurs to me now. Um, I remember my mom had me watch something on TBN. Uh, when I was a kid, about a guy who experienced death. And he talked about how, yeah, <clears throat> and how he had, uh, he wasn't a Christian. And so he was actually essentially going to hell. And how he, his experience of like traveling to hell was like horrific. 
you know, he met demons and stuff and they were <coughs> taunting him. And then all of a sudden he was saved by God and he became a Christian. And then he woke up, came back to life. And that really affected me as a teenager at the time. And uh, I find out like, I want to say 10 years later that that was actually just the first part of the story. The second part was that God took him to the future <laughs> and uh, to thousands and thousands of years into the future. And he reported back saying that there's going to be a time where humankind can actually decide when they want to die and go to heaven. And that oh, we will essentially okay. be immortal. And if we die, it's our, it's actually our choice. I mean, it's, it's this thing where it's like we kind of let they, they kind of latch onto something. It's just like the first part, and then they just kind of like, oh, then there's a hole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Well, it's like um, it's like that other that other book. Maybe we should do a book on these all these afterlife accounts. Yeah, I just because um, <laughs> there's that movie proof or that book Proof of Heaven. Oh yeah. Like got all this press because like the guy who experiences like this neuroscientist, and he like talks about he was like a marginal believer, and he went into basically like a brain death coma. Yeah. And he has like these very vivid experiences of what the afterlife is, but like most of the book is very clinical and boring and stuff. Well, it turns out like there's like no medical record of his stay in a hospital or something. Like it, he like completely made this stuff up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's it it just it's amazing to me how like we will like how the church will grab this stuff and they're like. You know, and like people are still using that book. They're still, you know, handing it out as like this thing that everyone should read. And it's oh, like, really? yeah. And like, I don't know, just amazed by the fact that we like, 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 is this really the kind of crap we're looking for? Like mm-hmm. the idea that like, like how, as a pastor, I'm concerned when I see things like the Bible code become popular because it's like, oh, so the, the traditional understanding of the Bible is not good enough. What is it that you're that you're after mm-hmm. that you have to gravitate to this? Like, I mean, obviously, I'm sure a lot of people was just curiosity that read that read a book like that. But like, what draws people to this idea? Like, I mean, it's basically Gnosticism when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. This idea that there's some kind of hidden knowledge that only a special elite group of people are able to experience. And I'm I'm just curious about like why so many Christians continually gravitate to this same kind of stuff over and over. Right. Like, and what makes us, what makes Christians dissatisfied with the faith that's presented to them? Is it that right. pastors just do a terrible job at communicating what the faith is or I think it's mostly it, that to be honest. Yeah. I mean, maybe, um, I don't know, Matt, what are your thoughts? Pride. Pride. Uh, on who's, on, on who's, everybody's the person who wrote it thinking they found some secret mystical knowledge and the people who want it thinking that um, they also want to be better, have more knowledge than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, I, we've ragged on, we've ragged on Calvinists a lot on this podcast. <laughs> and by we, you mean you. And I'm going to continue, but it's, it's one of the things that, that bugged me about the people who, who bought into a lot of Calvinist theology in my church growing up. The Calvinist uh, code. I mean, there were people who talked about it as though that were the case. Yeah. Like that this was something. Well, that's what Tulip is, right? Yeah. It's like it's like this is the truest understanding of the scriptures. And there was like all these conversations where it's just like like I mean, people were having like these secret meetings on the side to talk about. And it was like they were like slowly trying to convert people over to this stuff. And it's like so like the whole clandestine element to it was just so like off putting. And it's like even if it was true, I like 
I don't know if I want anything to do with it because you're acting all superior and smug about it that like you somehow have figured out something that no one else knows. And so now like you have to, you know, spout it off to everyone. And like that happens with every, every type of conversion. Anytime you, you're converted to something like I was like that when I became an Episcopalian, I'm sure I was super condescending to like everyone else. Um, and their Christianity when I became an, an Episcopalian. And I hope that that's kind of tapered off a lot. Um, but it's, but it's still that, that kind of thing though, like where, you know, I don't know if I think that my, that like what I was exposed to to become Episcopalian was some kind of like hidden mystical knowledge that, you know, some kind of secret knowledge that was like always there. If only someone had shown me the way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, sort of the way that I see it. I've seen things with other people. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just fascinated by this because I'm curious what kind of shortcomings it reveals and what kind of needs it reveals for people. Um, because I find that the story of the Bible, this idea of a God who liberates, you know, whether it's whether you're looking at just the Jewish scriptures, like that's the story. God liberates and God gives a way of life in order to be close to God. That's the Jewish story of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Christian the Christian scriptures take that story and then we and then we carry it through to the idea that not only does God give us a way, he gives us a person. He gives us a very life that we can imitate and that gives us this liberation from all the crap that we see in the world. I, I find that to be a really exciting story and a really exciting idea that doesn't need to have this book that has some kind of secret code that I have to like, you know, print up manuscripts in like perfectly spaced letters and lay a grid over top of it and circle things. And like, cause that's what all this stuff is. And, and I just feel like it's such a wild misunderstanding of what the book itself is. And yeah. anyway, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's, it's like, it's substituting this really awesome, exciting story that's right in front of you for this other thing that, yeah, sure, it's exciting. I mean, to think that you've got some kind of secret code that allows you to figure out when the world is going to end, like, that's Indiana Jones kind of stuff, man. Like, we all want that. But, you know, it, I don't know. It's just – I don't know. I don't know where else to go with do, that. It's just a, it's just an f- interesting thing for me. Do you also think it kind of comes from, like, a fascination or, like, sort of a, a needing – proof that the scriptures are like a living thing i mean maybe um, you know like it's i don't know i feel like we we the, the bible code is more it kind of misses the point of scripture and it's like it's not the the text well, I, that's important but the ideas right well it's like the dean of my seminary always said that it's you know christians we don't read a book we read a life the book testifies to the life. That's why it's called the Old and New Testament. It testifies to something outside of itself. Right. Um, and I think it comes down to a certain type of Bible worship where, like, even with I think even I, I, even within Judaism, there's a danger of this. Because, I mean, you know, there, you know, Judaism is really careful to avoid idolatry because that's the great that's the great sin in, in, in Judaism. And. But that that requires some very careful, you know. There's some close lines that they ha- that they that you sometimes have to come to with these things because, like, the Bible. If the Bible is the words of God, mm-hmm. then yes, you want to. You really, really want to pay attention to that. Right. But at the same time, you have to remember within Judaism that it can't be God. Right. And I think there's a danger that uh, that certain Christians and I'm sure certain Jews are in danger, uh, you know, there's a certain danger with this, that they 
that they can confuse the book as though it is God. Right. And I think part of the part of these weird readings come from that kind of mindset that the book is the book is supposed to be the be all end all of everything. And so, you know, forgetting that there's a lot that that faith that faith in God as revealed in this Bible is a far more dynamic thing than a lot of people are really even probably comfortable with. That's my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which alien race do you think wrote the Bible code? Hmm. I'm gonna think, I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with the Greys. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the Greys. Uh, the reason because um, the the artifacts that we have seen from Roswell have a lot of uh, pictorial symbolistic like symbol you know symbol language uh-huh. and Hebrew and Hebrew began as that. So I'm gonna see that the Hebrew language could be an offshoot of of their language. So hmm. I'm gonna go with the Greys. Go with the Greys. I'm gonna go with the reptilians. Okay. Because I think it's sort of their in their characteristics to sort of manipulate mankind, and the fact that the key to the Bible code is an is an obelisk, mm. that suggests to me that it's made of obsidian. And we as we all, as we all know, obsidian comes from uh, cooled off magma. And we all know the reptilians live in the hollow earth, where okay. magma flows. So, I could I could see, I could see where you're coming with this. Yes, yeah. uh, <clears throat> Matthew. Matthew is a Nordic. <laughs> I think Matt just died. You know what? Maybe the reptilians got him because they knew he was about to speak. He was going to say too much. He does look like he does look like a Nordic. You know, the, they're at war, so it's well. The, well, that and, the, and maybe the police academy is teaching him stuff, like you know, occasionally. Dude, bro, are is the police academy really the Men in Black? Is that what this really is? I gotta go get my Ray Ban. You gonna you gonna flashy thing me? You gonna flashy thing me? I'm actually out of questions, guys. <laughs> I thought I'd be able to stretch this further. I'm sorry, I don't have more information. I actually tried to look for the the, the book online. I I couldn't find it anywhere. This isn't that in depth of a topic, and Matt's dying over here. I know. Full disclosure. Yeah. I definitely dozed off once. <laughs> 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 I was like, what? What did he say? Hey, we could talk. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Uh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I'm going to doze off twice now. Thanks. <laughs> it's not because of the game. There's, there's, there's robots, man. There's know. robots in it. It's, <laughs> it's set in the distant future of Zelda, man. It's post-apocalyptic. It's amazing. There's also a Quran code. Of course there is. Um, doesn't seem as exciting as a Bible code, though. Except that they think that we, believe the Quran is not written by humans. But they're not explicit to say extraterrestrials, unlike the Bible code. Why are we looking at codes for the end of the world of the Bible when it like it, it kind of explicitly says, "Yeah, the, the world's going to end one day." Yeah, that's actually okay, this is a good point. This is a good point. Yeah. So like, yeah, why do you need a code to tell you exactly what I don't know? The Book of Revelation is all about, <laughs> yeah. or like the Book of Daniel. Yeah, I don't know. I guess because they're more specific. I remember watching documentaries and stuff on the History Channel. Uh, was the History Channel? I guess it's Discovery Channel. At the time, because history was still showing history stuff. He just he just wants people to know he used to watch things like History Channel and Discovery Channel. Yeah. Well, I watch for stuff like you're this. Smart, yeah. we get it. No, you're for, smart. For, stuff, for stuff like this, yeah. 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 I miss I, I miss I miss when it was like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of terrifying because I always focus on like an asteroid's headed toward Earth. There's going to be you know disasters and there's going to be all this awful stuff that's going to happen. Like, yeah, I know. Like that's the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> At at some point, at some point, the star the, the sun is going to burn out. Yeah, 
Like that that's gonna happen. It's not like I was like, oh my god, I thought I thought like for the next thousand years there were not gonna be any hurricanes or any natural disasters or any assassinations <laughs> and sharks. According to the Bible code, we're in for a lot of horrible stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's just still so weird, man. I feel like, like though, I feel like though these days it's calmed down, don't you think? I feel like there's there's less maybe less alarmist stuff. Even if and if there is alarmist stuff, we all kind of recognize it's it's wackos like Alex Jones and crap. I but, guess yeah, because like I mean you know I, I'm surprised I didn't bring this up earlier because it you know all of this kind of reminds me of Charles Manson with the Beatles music. Oh uh, yeah. Like, he was convinced that the Beatles catalog was, like, you should be awake for this, Matt. You're a Beatles mm-hmm. guy. Um, was that, the, was that, the, uh, was that the, the Beatles catalog had this, like, narrative of, like, this future race war that was to come and that it, pre- that it, that it talked about this messianic figure, a white guy, mind you, a white guy who was going to lead black people in a race war against whites <laughs> And that person was called the Helter Skelter. And Charles Manson believed he was that guy. Um, but like. That's what's so weird about it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very strange. And um, actually, I really I, I have a really great book on my bookshelf um, um, called uh, The Walrus Was Paul. And it's this guy just cataloging. I got it at like an antique store. It was great. Um, this guy cataloging all of the conspiracy theories and beliefs around the fact that around the idea that Paul McCartney died and was replaced with a lookalike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billy Shears. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole book about this conspiracy theory. It's really yeah. fascinating. Magical mystery tour. Yep. Huh. The CD cover tells you the whole story. Yep. He, Paul McCartney's the only one facing away from the camera. He's wearing a sticker that says DOA on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Abbey road is his funeral. Right, procession. it's the funeral procession. That's why he's not wearing any shoes. Yeah, but was it all kind of engineered by Paul? Like, is that sort of the the rumor? No, no. Well, no. W- the book the book says that the book postulates that the Beatles sort of toward the end of their career were kind of in on the joke, mm-hmm. and were like putting stuff on their on like the covers just to mess with these people. Yeah. Um, but that there was a degree of which the, the Beatles continued to deny it. I mean, they, Paul, they Paul about, has since, Paul has since they acknowledged talk about him dying in the car. I forget how I forget how he dies. Is he shot in the head in a car or is it a car crash? Anyway, he, he, he died dies. in a car crash. Cause that's a, that, that's the song. He um, dies and he blew his mind out in a car. And they're like, day in life. Yes. Yeah, so he blew his mind out in the car. They suicide. Anyways. Um, and then they're like, so we'd like to introduce to you the one and only Billy Shears. Yeah, he was replaced. Yeah. But um, so Abbey Road's a great one for this. We, we completely gone off the rails on this, by the way. No, I mean, uh, it, because, I think it ties in because it's, because it's, you can go off the rails of the Bible code. I, mean, I, I, I think it ties I, in. I can mix the numbers up and make the Bible tell us Paul McCartney's dead, too. I mean, I feel like we're sort of mining this sort of the psychology behind like what we have is not enough. Yeah, well, so 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 the cover of Abbey Road, which is supposed to be the funeral procession, yeah. the, one of the things in it is there is a there's a Volkswagen Beetle parked on the road, which is the only thing that indicates the Beatles, right? They put a Volkswagen Beetle on there. Well, the license plate says twenty. It's two eight I F. I think that's the number. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like for the conspiracy folks, it's been like, oh, if if, if Paul McCartney had lived, he'd be twenty eight years old. Or something like that. So 28 if. And so that's like, oh, there's a code. There are people letting us know what's happened. Yeah. And, well, later, Paul McCartney released a, a solo album in like the 80s or 90s. 
where he's walking his dog across the street on Abbey Road, like on the street. And there's a beetle parked there and it has like 54 is as the license plate. So it's like acknowledging the conspiracy from back then, but like indicating he is 54 years old. But so related to that is around the time that album came out, he did a guest spot on the Simpsons and he and Linda make a joke to, uh, to Lisa in that episode that, uh, if they listen to that album backwards, she'll find a great recipe for some vegetarian cupcakes or something. Yeah. I remember that. Well, so apparently if you do play that album backwards, there is a vegetarian recipe and, and then it ends with him saying, Oh, by the way, I'm still alive. That's funny. Which I think is really great. Um, but anyway, the thing is, what I understand is that the Beatles were messing with people on this, but they've kind of for many years would deny it because of the Charles Manson stuff that they were worried that like if they admitted to the fact that they were putting subliminal and hidden messages in their stuff just to, you know, like that it would add some kind of culpability to Charles Manson reading stuff into their right. catalog. But anyway, that's that. Oh, all right. That might be a good place to end, don't you think? I think so. Unless you guys have anything to add to the the Baba Code and uh, you want to say it to, to the audience. Matt, Matt, the look on Matt's, eye, in Matt's face is like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should talk more about the reptilian conspiracy next week. What do you think? <laughs> I'm really interested in that. I'm going to start buying that guy's books. <laughs> I haven't heard back from the Unarians yet, but we all float down here. You know, and I, I've I've yet to get I've yet to get any kind of application from the Galactic Federation of Light. <laughs> um, maybe maybe it wind up wind up in the social folder in my Gmail. I'll have to check. <laughs> yeah, you should check your junk mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's in my junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, I can make pointless noise too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, yes. um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we know your time is very valuable. That was my mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I wonder if we should apologize for this episode. I don't know. <laughs> no, no apologies. <laughs> you should apologize for every episode I am not on. <laughs> um, and I apologize for letting it go this far, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> If you play this episode backwards, there's a message of me telling you where you can rescue me. Please come and help me. Please, please help. Come take me away. Oh, go get back. Get back in the corner. Get back there. Um. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Join us next week. Um. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna talk about. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Nobody's listening anymore. Anyway, <laughs> that's not true. That is not true. That isn't true. Our Buffy episode is doing great. Kicking butt, man. <laughs> Buffy episode is doing really well. Um, <laughs> what would Jesus do? Not not so much. I wonder that, if it's a ep- title. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they or maybe they were like, "What would Jesus do?" Not listen to this episode. Skip. <laughs> you know, I actually just occurred to me. I should have titled it because because of the social gospel. I should have titled it SJWWJD. Oh, SJW. That'd be funny. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really funny. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you live and you learn. Yeah, next time. And next then get time. Love. What? Diapers. Live and learn and then get loves. 
No, nothing. No. Okay. Diaper commercial, guys. Subliminal messages. Go buy diapers. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen a commercial in two years. I feel like we're slowly I, becoming a conspiracy I theory podcast. Software, maybe. That's right. I will mention it. I will preach that gospel all the time. <laughs> what? <laughs> JP has no idea what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> How does it feel, JP? I don't to know. To be the one who has no idea what the two of you are talking about. Uh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. That was me for this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, join us next week and uh, have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey. You've actually given up on our closing. That's great. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I miss you all. Just help me. Play it backwards. Help me. Thank you, the music. Or